Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and with the 2024 legislative session and budget process right around the corner, we're checking in on the upcoming priorities of the Schuyler Center for Analysis and Advocacy, which advocates for low-income families in New York. And we're joined by the organization's policy director, Dee Dee Hill. Welcome to the studio, Dee Dee. Thanks for having me. It's very fun to be in studio. It's It's been a long time. Oh, we're glad to have you back. So according to your policy priorities memo, your number one goal, at least in order of how the four are written, is child poverty reduction, which is a relevant goal considering the Schuyler Center has a representative on the state's Child Poverty Reduction Advisory Council, which is supposed to be crafting a roadmap uh, for cutting child poverty in half over the next decade. What are the tax credit proposals you're pushing to help realize uh, some of the child poverty reduction goals? The focus of our work for 151 years really has been to reduce child poverty and build family economic security. And that's because experiences of poverty, when you're a child, they can cause harm in all aspects of a child's life, impairing physical and mental health, academic success, can increase the chances of child welfare involvement, um, housing, and food insecurity. So that is why we are steadfast in our in our focus on reducing child poverty. Regarding tax credits, we are leaning into two proposals. So the first is to strengthen the state's child tax credit. And for a little background, we had a important success last year in getting the state to expand the child tax credit to include children under the age of four. So that was really, in some ways, just fixing a longstanding error with our tax credit because we shouldn't have a child tax credit that excludes babies and, and toddlers. But we are thrilled that that happened last year. This year, we're looking to expand the credit so that the full credit goes to the lowest income New Yorkers. As it is written now, our lowest income New Yorkers are only eligible for a fraction of the credit. And so we want to be driving the most resources to the lowest income families. And Um, how much money are we talking about with this child tax credit? Are we talking about hundreds of dollars a year? Is it thousands of dollars a year? What could it potentially mean if we were, say, driving the full benefit to the lowest income families? The maximum credit that a family can receive for one child is $330. And so that leads into our second focus around the child tax credit is that we would like to see the credit increase to a more meaningful amount so that it can have a larger impact on child poverty reduction. 
And do you envision that being three hundred and thirty-one dollars, or is it something demonstrably higher than three thirty? There are various proposals that are being looked at right now, but I can say that yeah, we're looking for a significant increase, not not a dollar increase. Um, and you know, we're looking at uh, other states as models. There are instances where some states have expanded their child tax credit for um, or have a a higher tax credit for the youngest children, Mm. which is um, the group of children who experience poverty at the highest rate. And also their brains are developing and they are are the most significantly impacted by experiences of child poverty. So that's one approach, although we strongly believe that the credit across the board for all ages of children needs to be increased. Well, in addition to taking another look at the state's child tax credit, you also have ideas for the state's earned income tax credit. What are you hoping to accomplish there? Yeah, so with the earned income tax credit, we are looking for that credit to be made available to immigrant families who work, who pay taxes, but are excluded currently from the credit due solely to their immigration status. So are we talking about undocumented New Yorkers then? We are um, talking about a whole range of immigrant New Yorkers. There's, um, you know, our our immigration rules are very complex, and there are many New York families who are here and are actually lawfully authorized to be here, including asylum seekers. Um, but there's a whole range of immigration statuses. Many of these families are here, are work eligible. They're able to work. Um, Again, they're lawfully present, but they still cannot qualify for for the earned income tax credit. Um, But are the bulk of this population that we're talking about undocumented New Yorkers? Because you mentioned asylum seekers, but most asylum seekers aren't even eligible to work yet, at least the population that's in New York. um, So with respect to the larger question, I'm going to uh, defer to some of my much more learned uh, immigration expert colleagues. Um, So I I couldn't say the percentages, Mm -hmm. but I can say that we're not just talking about undocumented immigrants. Gotcha. Well, let's turn then to goal number two, which revolves around childcare. And since ascending to the state's top executive job two years ago, Governor Hochul has touted the investments made in childcare by the state, albeit with federal dollars, both in terms of subsidies to pay for care and support for the industry more broadly. But your number two goal is calling for a quote-unquote substantial and sustained investment in both of these areas. So what does that mean that you'd like to see done in both the space of childcare accessibility as well as uh, workforce stabilization? So the most urgent pressure point that New York is facing right now with respect to childcare is the workforce persistently low wages um, over many years has really caused a workforce crisis. And to put that, a number to that, the average wage that a childcare educator is paid in New York is about $35,000 a year. The shortfall of uh, in the workforce, this is exacerbating a shortfall in capacity. And so New York's at this this moment where we implemented historic expansions to access to childcare assistance over the last several years. And so that means 
tens of thousands of New York families are newly eligible for assistance, and so they can afford childcare, but now they're coming up against capacity. They can't find a childcare provider that can care for their child. So that expansion is going to be meaningless for a lot of families. So that is why um, our number one priority in childcare is for New York to create a permanent publicly funded wage supplement for childcare educators. Um, I want to underscore permanent because we have tried the last few years with one-time bonuses or retention grants, which have been very helpful, but without the certainty that they will continue, we are what we are hearing from childcare providers is they cannot um, keep educators in the classroom. If educators can't plan for the next year and the next year and the next year, they just can't afford to stay in the field. Um, and it's certainly one-time bonuses are certainly not enough to build a pipeline, which is really what we need. We need a pipeline of new educators. So we're looking for a permanent line in the budget for these supplements. And also the supplements need to be a meaningful amount um, to really expand wages in ways that reflect the importance of this work and the expertise of our childcare educators. And really, we need to be moving toward parity with K-12 educators. Well, yeah, you've been using the expression of educators to describe the childcare staff. So does that mean you'd like to see someone who cares for, say, kids who are six, seven years old to be paid on par with kindergarten and first grade teachers? Absolutely. Well, finally, on the child care front, uh, I noticed that you have a push for state-funded assistance to immigrant children who are barred from accessing federally funded subsidies. Is this the same sort of equation that we're talking about on the earned income tax credit side in, in terms of creating a program for people who are shut out of the current eligibility standards? Yeah, that I mean, that's, that's exactly right. And this has been a longstanding issue that New York's state-run child care assistance program excludes children who are residents of our state um, and excludes them from early education solely based on their immigration status. Um, and this issue has really taken on new urgency with the tens of thousands of asylum seekers who have arrived in New York uh, in the last few years. And uh, we recognize that Governor Hochul has um, advocated strongly with the federal government to uh, get work authorization for many of the uh, newly arrived asylum seekers um, with not full success, but with some success. Um, and what we are urging is, or is sort of calling out is that parents, even if they can gain work authorization, they cannot work if they don't have a safe and enriching place to put their children. Um, and I would also, while the data um, about the recently arrived asylum seekers is not perfect, um, we it, it appears that about more than 20,000 um, just in the last 12 months are under the age of 12, and um, almost 10,000 are under the age of five. So these children, they need a safe, enriching environment where they can go while their parents uh, pursue work and, and 
get on their get on their feet. Well, finally, I want to pivot to the issue of child welfare and specifically an investment you're calling for in child welfare housing subsidy. What does that mean? Who are you looking to benefit there? The child welfare housing subsidy is part of the state's preventive services. And what, what that means, it's a, it's a whole array of services that are offered to families who are struggling um, and who have come to the attention of the child welfare system. Um, and often that they have come to the attention of child welfare really because of poverty. Um, and so um, the housing subsidy is a really an important support that helps families um, by giving them some, some money to go to rent or mortgage to, to keep them together in their homes. Another population within the child welfare system that can access the subsidy are young people who are aging out of foster care. So th- that that is 18 to 21-year-olds who have been in foster care, um, have not been reunited with their families of origin, nor have they been adopted. And so they are moving out of foster care on, t- on their own, out into the world. Um, and as you can imagine, um, this group sometimes faces some instability as they're as they're transitioning to adulthood. As anyone who's 21 to 24, I remember the Lombardo scholarship well, helped to subsidize myself. I was going to say the exact same thing. And so these um, these young people, they... Uh, they don't have access to the Lombardo have, scholarship. They do not. And so, it, and the state has a special responsibility to these young people. Um, and so what we're looking for the state to do is expand um, access to that subsidy to 21 to 24 year olds. Right now, it stops at 21, um, which is it, which is uh, the day that a lot of these young people age out of foster care. They need a few years um, where they can fall back on the state for support as they're as they're making their way in the world. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Dee Dee Hill, the Director of Policy for the Schuyler Center for Analysis and Advocacy, and you can learn more about the work they're doing and their priorities at scaany.org. Dee Dee, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.